We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we're for the people of Missouri. We're for brewmasters, stockbrokers, beauty queens, and truck drivers. Whatever you do, if you're a Missourian, we're for you. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we've got Missouri covered. Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. We are back with another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I am your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez as well. We're going to try to get as much info as we can in the next 40 minutes or so. Try to cram it all into one because I still want to break down these playoff games. uh, But I also want to spend time talking about what happened in Orlando last night. Also want to dive into the Saban and Belichick news. So I'm not going to waste any time. We're going to open up this show talking some college basketball. Then we'll break down the playoff games. And then we'll probably wrap up the show talking about Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Two really surprise retirings happening in a span of... Oh, what, 12 hours of each other? Two of the greatest ever do it in the sport of football, stepping away for good. I guess I, or not Belichick, excuse me, stepping away from New England. Um, And then you've got Nick Saban, who is retiring. Though it does kind of feel like retiring from New England. We can count it as that. Sorry to mislead you. But as I said, we're opening up the show talking some college basketball. Uh, Kansas had quite the stinker last night in Orlando after... The two top teams the night before fell. Purdue got trounced by Nebraska. And then you look at Houston, who went on to Ames and lost at Hilton Coliseum. Kansas had the number one spot for the taking. All they had to do was beat UCF last night and then beat Oklahoma on Saturday. And I think early on in this game, everybody had the expectation uh, this Kansas team was going to run away with it. They led by 16 points. Uh, They were shooting north of 70% from the field. UCF uh, wasn't really knocking down much outside from their star uh, in Jalen Sellers, who finished with a team-high 18 points. But what a stretch UCF had. They went zone on Kansas. Kansas, as we've known all year long, doesn't really have any premier shooters. That discombobulated them. The Golden Knights outscored the Jayhawks by 13 in the second half. Uh, They made things interesting. It was a 10-to-1 run before that half closed, in the first half, that is. And then Kansas let them get close in the second half. And then once things tightened up, uh, they didn't really have the firepower anymore to overcome that zone. Now, just a few quick thoughts, a few quick takeaways from this Kansas team and, and why I think at the end of the day you walk away and go, one, it's really hard to win on the road in the Big 12. Two, uh, this has happened to Kansas, I think, the last 10 years. You know, they're about 13-1, and 12-2, and 11-1, and one, and they've got a game like this. It's not always the preseason team that was picked last by every single coach. You know, Johnny Dawkins' group, who also knocked off Kansas, or at least Johnny Dawkins' group when he was at Stanford, knocked off the Andrew Wiggins team in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they're going to be a, a bottom feeder still. But they can pull off upsets like we saw last night, taking down the number three team in the land that had only lost once into a ranked Marquette team in Chaka Smart. But the the good thing, if you are overreacting a bit to this loss, is that it happens, right? In college basketball, there's no more teams that go 30-1 and one in the regular season. It just doesn't happen anymore. 
whether this was a loss to Iowa State, Kansas State, Baylor, really in the end, it's all the same. And Kansas, for the way they had played with their food over the last four weeks or so, felt like they were due. Okay, they had they had escaped against TCU. They did not play well against Missouri. They escaped against Indiana. They had had escapes against you know Eastern Illinois. Weird. They just they were playing with their food. Sluggish starts, and once again they started slow last night. Fell behind seven to nothing. Bill Self had to burn a timeout. Then everything seemed to you know turn around for them. They righted the ship, and you had. Now, Dewan Harris, Johnny Furphy, Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McClure, K.J. Adams, all kind of in sync. But it didn't last long. And now there is a tape out there that Kansas struggles a bit with the zone when they're forced to shoot it from deep. And they don't have many great three-point shooters. Arguably, their best three-point shooter is their best player in Hunter Dickinson, who's seven foot one. Oh, how does that make you feel that a seven foot one center is your best three point shooter? Everybody else just kind of lacks in that department. But the good thing is, the the positive is that you know, you're probably now looking at a stretch for Kansas where they're going to turn things around, and, and they may even lose a couple more. Like I, I think there is a very real world possibility that they could lose to Oklahoma at home. Uh, they could lose to Oklahoma State on the road. There's going to be some losses that make you go, how? You know, how do you beat all these top teams, the the Yukons of the world? How do you go to Assembly Hall, beat Indiana? How do you beat Tennessee and Maui? You know, how do you knock off some of these opponents, but you can't even beat UCF on the road? We've known this for years. Wherever Kansas goes on the road, they're getting a team's best shot. They're going to get the best atmosphere. The atmosphere that UCF had in Orlando last night was phenomenal. They're not going to have that many times this season. It's because Kansas was there, and that's usually the way that it goes. But Kansas crippled themselves going up against that team in that environment. A UCF team that lost by 25 to Kansas State over the weekend. Defensively, they were much better against this Kansas team. Now for the negatives. Boy, I'm all for developing guys. I'm all for putting faith in Bill Self and saying this guy's going to get better. They got to get Marco Jackson the hell out of the starting lineup. I don't know how he's even playable at this point. A five-star McDonald's All-American, 22 minutes, didn't take a single shot, had two turnovers. He ran cardio for 22 minutes. He did not provide any value for the team last night. I think his plus-minus was like negative 16. Yet he's starting every single game, and not that there's somebody pounding on the door to take his spot. I think that you know the loss of Arterio Morris in the offseason to horrific, absolutely terrible situations in Lawrence, and he does not deserve to play basketball again. But he was a guy that was going to start in the starting five. I think everybody knew that. He was coming over from Texas, had spent time you know, coming off the bench, playing for the Longhorns in his first year. That was going to be their, their number five guy. Now, Marco Jackson was thrusted into this spot, but the reality is he's not ready to go. He's not ready to go right now. And I almost think taking him out of the lineup and replacing him with a Johnny Furphy, who did look the part last night, he shot the ball eight times, had nine points, 17 minutes. 
That's what I would like to see from the fifth spot out there. And if Omarco Jackson can't take relief from Dewan Harris uh, handling the ball, if he's not going to be under control, if he's not going to provide some value to that team in the starting lineup, you got to get him the hell out. You got to get him on the bench, only playing 10 to 15 minutes right now. Now, I'll also put the ball in Bill Self's court. If he believes like Omarco Jackson is the best fit long term for this team to succeed in March, then all right. Play with four guys out there until he turns things around. Because right now, uh, this is a kid that is completely in his head. He's not been able to build off consistency. He had a good performance against Wichita State. Has been horrible in back-to-back games. And has been, for the most part, really, really unplayable for the majority of this season. And it's unfortunate because this isn't some three-star freshman that had to step in. This is a McDonald's All-American five-star recruit. He should not be struggling this much in the starting five. But I think it's about time that Kansas makes a change. If you're going to play Johnny Furphy that much, and the hook was super quick for Marco Jackson in that game, he was out by the first media timeout, and the offense took off after that. Johnny Furphy's also a guy that I'd like to see develop. He's younger than Marco Jackson. He's 17. He's bigger. Uh, he's not faster. He's not a better defender. But offensively, there's more value there. Now, hopefully, Marco Jackson wouldn't, you know, take it in a depressing way or let it affect his game too much if he's benched, but he clearly can't do much better out there in the starting five as Kansas falls 65-60. to Ugly, ugly performance, but the good thing with conference play, they got to sleep on this for two days, and they'll be back in action at Allen Fieldhouse against a top-10-ranked Oklahoma team on Saturday night, but also an Oklahoma team that just lost on the road to TCU, who gave Kansas a lot of fits on Saturday. It's the Big 12, man. Um, I know that I was foolish. I think we talked about it, you know, kind of penciling in W's and L's for Kansas. You really can't. You know, we can go down this schedule, and there will probably be some game Kansas has, like on the road against Houston at the end of the year. They win, but then they're going to lose to Oklahoma State and Stillwater. You just, that's the Big 12. And everybody that's a front runner right now, that looks good. There's going to come those times where they look really bad. That's how damn good this conference is. And, you know, I, I think the initial reaction last night was this was the worst loss uh, since that TCU game, the YMC game, YMCA game back in 2013 where TCU was fresh into the conference and KU lost by like eight or nine points. It was a terrible TCU team. And Bill Self said that his current group couldn't beat the local YMCA squad. This was a bad loss, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sugarcoat it to make excuses. Uh, I think UCF, though, is like top 80 in Ken Palm. There, there's been far worse opponents that Kansas has lost to you know, at home. Now, I remember the, the 2018 season, a Kansas team that went to the Final Four. They lost to Oklahoma State at home early on in conference play. It was weird, but it happens, right? It's January 11th today. You know, you're having these losses in late February – I think it's time to hit the panic button a little bit. But right now, you're two games into conference play. They played horribly. It was atrocious. Hunter Dickinson got in foul trouble, and it's clear that when he's not on the floor and he plays less than 30 minutes, the offense is going to struggle a little bit. If Kevin McCuller has five turnovers in a game, not good. If DeWan Harris is two of eight from the floor, not good. If you have a member of your starting five not even take a damn shot, why have him out there? But overall, I mean, the turnover issues, 
Big time problem again. 17 in this game. They shot 54.5% from the free throw line. They shot under 35% from three-point range. Those are all things that are recipes to losing basketball. Kansas played terribly last night. They blew a 16-point lead. It's it's more of a frustrating loss than I think a gut-wrenching loss. Like it's this early on in conference play like it now brings up the possibility that down the road they're playing on the road they could lead big and you have to go back to this game and go 16's not enough. It wasn't enough against the worst team in the conference or one of the worst teams in the conference because now West Virginia and Oklahoma State likely get that mark. But the good thing is you get a bounce back. You had to come back home. You got to play much better against Oklahoma. And we've seen in the past, after losses like this, Bill Self's squad usually turns things around. And, you know, as good as it would have been for Kansas fans to be number one in the nation on Monday morning, guess what? The number one ranking does not matter at all in January because you know what? It's only there for teams to lose. You want to be the number one team entering the conference tournament. That's the goal not to be number one at just some point in the year because we all know you're not going undefeated in conference play. I think a team with five losses could win this conference or tie this conference at the end of the year. For first place, that is. But Kansas loses for the first time since November as they lose on the road to the preseason-picked dead-last UCF Golden Knights team on the road in Orlando. 65-60, to they coughed up a 16-point lead, one of their worst performances of the last half decade under Bill Self. Jake, before we talk some NFL, your takeaways from quite the dismal performance from the third-ranked Jayhawks. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of nailed it, the, the lack of depth on this team, because they really started to go downhill once uh, Hunter Dickinson got in foul trouble. You know, once he got his second mm-hmm. foul and had to come off the floor, that's when they kind of started sputtering. Um, but, yeah, just to have a 16-point lead and not step on the throats, it's just uh, – I mean, the writing was on the wall, in my opinion. I mean, they they played a great game versus TCU. Like, not them individually. It was an entertaining game yeah, to watch. very much so. Mm-hmm. But, I mean – they're, they got very fortunate to get that to get that that's a game they probably should have lost in all reality mm-hmm. they're very lucky to get that call in that situation and have that four point swing quickly for them um so look i'm i'm not worried at all about they're still going to be especially since Houston suffered that loss the mm-hmm. night before look this is a worse loss than Iowa State at Iowa State but it's still the L's are the same uh, you, you know it doesn't matter if you lose you know, in the Sunflower Showdown, it doesn't matter. You know, you're still, they're still in the hunt for the, t- they're going to be probably still at this point in time, the odds on favor to win that conference and still be in line for, you know, the number one seed, a number one seed. Yeah. Um, but they're putting some, some stuff down on tape. They're going to see a lot more zones now. Oh, yeah. Um, so, it, you know, you can't, it's, I kind of yeah. I was shocked that, that it was only a six and a half point game going mm-hmm. into this. Like meaning Kansas was favored by six and a half. Yeah, I thought you know leading up to that matchup that might be a double digit. Just how mm-hmm. I hadn't I didn't watch much of of the Kansas State game, but just seeing the result of that and just seeing how you know UCF was trending, I was like, oh, this is kind of a throwaway game. I treated it a lot like KU did last night. Yeah, you know. As a fan, and and look, you can't do that. 
Um, you know, and we had Todd Lebo on the Border Patrol a couple of days ago, and he said, you know, it, the reason this year is different in the Big 12 is because there's unbalanced schedules. So it used mm-hmm. to be so hard because you played everybody twice. That's yep. not the case now. You don't play everybody twice. And he said, you know, if you have UCF twice on your schedule, that's, you know, that's a fortunate thing. And look, <laughs> it's not. You know, the, that team is athletic. Yep. You know, they have a good coach. And, and so, you know, you move on. You, uh, you don't let this compound. You, you I mean, Bill Self, I almost feel like he kind of lets these things happen, <laughs> right? And, yeah. And to, uh, as teaching lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he doesn't go out there to lose the game. But, you know, he, he, I think he lets the team, hey, you keep doing it your way. And once you start doing it my way, things are going to start changing. And see, this is what happened when you guys do it your way. And don't put yep. a team away. You know, and so they're teaching lessons. And I fully expect, you know, that's why Bill Self is one of the greats of all time in college basketball. He'll see a bounce back. You'll see this team improve. It's almost, you know, it's almost always in January you see a loss like this for Kansas. And mm-hmm. then. That's when things start turning around. So, not that they needed to be turned around, but I think that it's a nice wake up call. Yeah, it's a bad loss. Don't get me wrong; it's mm-hmm. a bad loss, but it's a wake up call. So they, they'll turn this into something that that's beneficial for for that team. You know, it, it's great that you bring it up with, with Bill Self almost letting things happen like this, and you know, some people may laugh at it like I just did, but I see a lot of truth behind it. Even last night, I thought there was an extended period of time he was in foul trouble, but. He kept Hunter Dickinson on the bench, I think, just to see how they could handle all of the the atmosphere, the poor play, without their best player. Like, he's a smart coach. He's a Hall of Fame head coach. And I think every coach in the Big 12 knows that losing in this conference, even if it is to a bottom team like UCF, they're not atrocious losses. I don't think to anybody. Somebody's going to lose to more, to West Virginia and Morgantown, who's 5-10 and 10 right now. And by the end of it... You won't see it as just a absolutely dismal, terrible, putrid loss. This could be, in the long run, a really good thing for Kansas because that's one of the worst teams you can lose to in the conference. If that's not a wake-up call, I really don't know what is. But Kansas falls 65-60. to Their first loss since November 21st. Their winning streak snapped, but good thing for them. They get back up on the horse this Saturday, 1 p.m. tip-off against the ninth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners. We will take our first break of the show. When we come back, we will pick every single game from the Wild Card Weekend. That's on ESPN Kansas City. Back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Well, if we don't get to it in the end, know that the news the last 24 hours has been pretty crazy in the football world. Nick Saban officially retiring over 70 years of age, but built arguably the greatest dynasty in college football history. And then another guy who built a dynasty alongside a really good quarterback, some would say, uh, is stepping away from New England. Bill Belichick has parted ways. Robert Kraft and Belichick had multiple meetings but couldn't come to agreement. So now it appears he's not retiring, as I slipped up earlier on and said that he was retiring, just moving on from New England. He is likely going to be looking for a new place to coach, and he's going to have plenty of suitors. So if we finish things up quickly, might try to touch on that a little oh, bit. Oh, by the way, Pete Carroll also got fired. Yes, Pete well, Carroll fired, but they said, hey, if you want to stick around, yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. all right with it. I'm just saying, like that, that, that's big news alone, and then just poor Pete Carroll because just overshadowed <laughs> yeah. by maybe two of the greatest coaches in their profession. 
almost feels like a, a power trip. It's like Pete Carroll got fired, and then Nick Saban's like, I got to take control of this, yep. and Bill Belichick's like, I got to take control Trump of this. Card. I got to be, yeah, it's like uh, using the ultimate Trump card with these great Hall of Famers that are all losing jobs left and right, or at least choosing to lose their job, as Nick Saban did retiring. But if we get done with the wild card picks in enough time, we will uh, touch a little bit on some college football and NFL greats that will not be coaching where they've been coaching for a very long time. This I do want to point out, though, from Andy Slater before we get into it. Uh, this is fascinating. The wind chill in Kansas City now for Saturday night, dangerously cold. The National Weather Service says a wind chill of negative 30. Negative 30, but an NFL source told Andy Slater there will be no schedule change for the Dolphins and the Chiefs. It is official, Jake. I will be going. I will be going to this wow. game. Wow. And braving I love the it. cold. I love so it. It'll I'm going to have a full report on Monday. <laughs> I will be giving wow. a full report. I might good, be texting a few people, you. including you, just, yeah. to, just to give the yes. inside perspective. Please do. Of what it's wow. like there on Saturday night, but negative good, 30. Good for you. Whew, good for yeah, you. that's getting top five good territory. Yeah, yeah, this is, I, I can't underdress for this one. But okay, <laughs> I'm rambling on, we're losing time. So let's start making some wild card picks for the weekend, beginning with the first one on Saturday, the appetizer for you Chiefs fans who are going to be waiting Chiefs Dolphins. This one will be Browns and Texans kicking off. At 3.30 on NBC, the Joe Flacco-led Cleveland Browns, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The total at 45-and-a-half. Oh, boy, do you go with the experience, postseason experience, the story in Joe Flacco, or do you go with the young buck? The young buck is a head coach, too. D'Amico Ryans, C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, a defense that can turn the ball over. Or are you going to go with the steady hand of Joe Flacco and a Browns defense that is lethal when they want to, I would say. One of the best pass rushers in the NFL and Miles Garrett. Uh, this really does come down to how much you believe in playoff Browns. They have not been there many times. It's an experienced bunch, but do you think Joe Flacco is going to have the magic run out at any point? Now, I think C.J. Stroud is the better quarterback. They're more of an explosive offense, but they're also facing a great Browns defense. I just don't know if I like Cleveland on the road here. I really don't. I think it's been quite some time since they've played you know, a true scary offense. I know they saw Houston not long ago, won by 14 points, but you also have to factor in that game. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, it was Davis Mills. For the Houston Texans. It was not C.J. Stroud. So, to me, that's not an explosive offense. When they faced the Rams on December 3rd, they lost by 17. You know, so, it's it's been a little bit of time since Joe Flacco has been able to beat a top team like this, a top offense. I like C.J. Stroud here and the Texans at home. I think they roll after that win against Indianapolis. That was a, a win-and-in situation for them. Do-or-die mode now. They've already been doing it. Not so much the Cleveland Browns. So, give me the Texans plus the points. Wow. It's a tough one um, because if you look at the splits, I mean, the Browns' defense is insane. They're great defense, but they do give up 13 more points when they're on the road. But the number I think I'm going with are first-time quarterbacks Mm. against the spread. Since 2002, in the wild card round, first career starts for quarterbacks 
are 25 and 40 against the spread. That's just a 38.5% winning percentage. I think I'm going with that. I think I'm going against the defenses do travel. Um, look, I am a little concerned with Flacco. The mm-hmm. guy the guy has the potential to turn the ball over a ton. Um, but I just, that number, for, it's just a different it's just a different level, and when you've never been there before, you have nothing to recall on. Yeah. So I'm going to take the Browns. Uh, you know, I think Vegas is is on the. You know, I think I think there, there's a reason why this number is so low, mm-hmm. right? So they're favored on the road against the Texans. I'm uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Browns and lay those points. You know, as good as Joe Flacco has been, they're going to try to win this game with their defense. The Browns are number one in time of possession, and they've got a defense that gets after the quarterback. They force a lot of turnovers. Force turnovers, keep the ball, score when you get down in the red zone. That should be the recipe for Cleveland, and probably the same thing for Houston. I just don't think they've got that firepower. Now we got the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Saturday night kickoff at 7 p.m. on Peacock. The Chiefs a four-and-a-half-point favorite total at 44. We discussed this in depth yesterday that the Dolphins have so many things going against them. Um, I, I think in games that it's dipped below 40 degrees, you know, we give you numbers of 0-7 and, and their last seven when it's dipped below 30. I believe Tua in his last 18 games, it was, or maybe it was Miami itself. I know either Tua was involved or the Dolphins were involved. Last 18 games when it dips below 40, 1-17. So again, that, those weather stats, they do not hold up for uh, maybe all games, all opponents, but for Miami, it absolutely does. They've had a huge sample size, and throw on top of that, lots of injuries. Lots of injuries to that defense, and they need to find ways to slow down Patrick Mahomes and Isaiah Pacheco. I don't think they can with the reserves they're going to have out there on the field. And when you think about to his numbers in the weather, uh, Tyreek Hill being banged up, Jalen Waddle being banged up, Raheem Mostert, they're just not healthy. They're not healthy at all. The Chiefs playing at home here in their own element. Negative 30 wind chill. Uh, let's see what that field looks like on Saturday night. But I got the Chiefs here by winning by about a touchdown. What say you, Jake? Um, look, I think it's just it's more about the injuries in the in the banged up Dolphins. The defense decimated with injuries on the D line. I think the Chiefs obviously a down season for them, limping into the playoffs, having to come up with a big win against the Bengals to win the. AFC West, but look, I just don't think the Dolphins are are going to have enough. They look sluggish against the Bills. That second half game, uh, they 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 basically blew the, the game away. Yeah, uh, they let the Bills. I mean, the Bills all but gave them the recipe to win in Miami last week, and Miami could not capitalize. You know, Josh Allen turning the ball over three times in the red zone, and. Uh, and they still couldn't capitalize on it. They gave up a big special teams touchdown, a 95-yard punt return. I just don't think these Dolphins are the same Dolphins that the Chiefs see- saw in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to lay the points. Um, but I expect a close game. I, I do. Um, but I just don't think the Dolphins have enough healthy players to make a difference. They're just they're banged up, and I think that's the biggest concern for me. So. Give me the Chiefs and lay the points. First game on Sunday, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road at Orchard Park against the Buffalo Bills, a potential opponent if the Chiefs are to beat the Dolphins the night before. Bills a 10-point favor, the total at 36. If T.J. Watt was playing, I think I'd like to lay money down on the under, 
but still take Buffalo to cover. I just don't know how Mason Rudolph's going to go into this situation and get a Pittsburgh offense that already needs so much to go right for them to have a good enough game to beat this Buffalo team. We've seen Buffalo uh, play very subpar against some lowly opponents. Uh, The New York Giants come to mind when they had Tyrod Taylor out there. They needed a miracle to win at the end. Sometimes the offense sputters, and it does feel like a pressure situation for them because... You know, everybody expects them to beat the brakes off of Pittsburgh. And if things get tight late, we know Sean McDermott usually pees down his leg, as does Josh Allen turning the ball over a lot. But with Pittsburgh missing, I would say their best player in T.J. Watt. I just don't know how I can take them uh, to stay within two scores of this one. A 10-point spread for Buffalo. I think they cover that pretty easily on Sunday afternoon. So give me the bills and the points. Yeah, not, I'm with you. All all. What you said, cosign. I just think that, you know, TJ Watt missing is just that he's the heart of that team. And I don't think there's any way they're going to be able to slow Josh Allen down. And the Steelers like to play ball control. And Mm -hmm. I think you can't do that when you're playing from behind. And then if you're putting on Mason Rudolph, you know, it's not going to be warm in in Buffalo either. So I, I just, I don't like that matchup. I think Steelers basically snuck into the playoffs. Um, Look, Mike Tomlin's a fantastic coach. He's proven that time and time again, but I just I don't I don't see it. I don't think it's I think this is going to be the out of the out of all six matchups this weekend. It's the biggest news fest. Is probably why the line is so high. So that number ten does not scare me whatsoever. I've seen you know that line move up to some places like Caesars all the way up to twelve, mm-hmm. and I think Vegas puts up. Billion-dollar hotels for a reason, so I I don't think this game's close. The afternoon slate, the Green Bay Packers will be on the road in Arlington against the Dallas Cowboys, the champs of the NFC East. Cowboys, a a 7.5-point favorite, total 50.5. We've seen it all year long that Dallas, when playing bad teams, they beat up on them. Kind of like Miami, right? But when they play pretty good teams, they don't always cover. Uh, That has been consistent for Dallas. You know, they did have that game against Philly where they beat him by 20 points at home, and maybe you can factor that in a little bit, but we also know Philly has had quite the brutal stretch over the last six to seven weeks. Green Bay is really scary. I think kind of in the same breath with the Rams, they're not really a team you want to see, but we also know Green Bay is not going to be able to play at Lambeau all season long, and on the road this year, they have not been that good. Uh, this is a team that looks different. Jordan Love looks different. Uh, yes, they had won their last two road games of the year. The quarterbacks in that game, Bryce Young for Carolina, and then they got to face uh, Nick Mullins of the Minnesota Vikings. When they've been you know, tasked up against playoff teams, hey, they did beat Detroit. That was a very impressive win on Thanksgiving. Or was it? Yeah, it was Thanksgiving, 29 to 22. But they also lost to Pittsburgh. They lost to Denver. They lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Falcons. Uh, they had not fared well uh, in, in playing on the road. And they also played the Giants on the road and lost that game 24 to 22. So you throw in that Lions win, but before the Carolina and Minnesota game, they were 1 and 5 on the road. Just not a, a very well-established team yet. They're so young. They're going to be going into an environment that's not favorable to play in a Dallas offense that feels light years different than where they had been the last couple of years. I like the Cowboys in this spot. I think it's close early on, but I could see Dallas winning by 8 to 10 points, so give me the boys and the points in Arlington. Look, Cowboys undefeated at home. They're just a different team at home. 
Um, but that number's too high for me. I, I think uh, I think seven and a half. I think this game is going to be closer, three to four point game. Um, I, I Jordan Love hasn't thrown a pick since week eleven. He's been one of the hottest quarterbacks, mm-hmm. one of the best quarterbacks in the second half of the season. So I expect him to go down and challenge the Cowboys in the Mike McCarthy Bowl. I'm going to take the points. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take the Cowboys to win, but I think the Packers will uh, cover that spread. I could see it too. I mean, Jordan Love, we we got to give uh, got to give him some flowers here for the season. He turned in 32 touchdowns, 11 picks. That's those are top five numbers among NFC quarterbacks and top ten numbers in all of the NFL. He really proved everybody wrong in 2023. Last two here, uh, maybe the game of the weekend: Rams on the road against Detroit. The Lions hosting a playoff game for what the first time in 30 years. And the opponent they get is a quarterback who had spent so many years there, so many treacherous years, but the numbers never wavered for him. That's Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford returning to Detroit, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Jake, first time since he left. This is the stakes. The Lions hosting a playoff game against Matt Stafford. Lions. A three-point favor, the total of 51.5, kickoff at 7.15 on NBC. I mean, it's just the storyline of the season, I would say. And the Rams are known as this dark horse, uh, the scariest team, the underdog. But are you really an underdog? Are you really a dark horse if everybody says you are? Like, they're not really flying under the radar. I think Green Bay's flying more under the radar than the Rams are. We know how good the Rams are. Stafford, Nakua. Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald. They're stars on that team. And the Lions, look, I'd like to buy into this. The first home playoff game in 30 years. The the stakes are high. Everybody's going to be amped up for it. But there's so much pressure on that. I mean, they're a team that won the division. They're not the Cinderella team anymore. They're expected to win this football game. And I do not think they get it done. I think the Rams and Matt Stafford knock off the Lions, and they're going to have to wait another year to grab that first playoff win in nearly three decades. So give me L.A. on the road. I'm with you. I think this is the biggest upset of the weekend. If it is an upset, like you said, everybody's on this. Uh, I think the, I don't even need the three points. Mm-hmm. I think Rams money line this game um, for me. Uh, I just the injury to Laporta is huge. For Goff, Goff loves throwing that guy, and that guy's had maybe one of the best rookie tight end seasons mm-hmm. ever. Um, I just think that loss is huge, and, I, and look, I just the Lions are so hot and cold, and I think they just feels like you know Matt Stafford returning to town. It, it's it's a very Detroit esque situation. Yeah, like this is what happens in Detroit when you're a Lions fan. So I'll I'll take the Rams. I don't even need the points. I think they win this outright. Yeah, I think Dan Campbell's aggressiveness might bite him uh, a little bit in this game against a Rams team that found a way to get in the playoffs, and once they get in, we've seen before, they can get as far as the Super Bowl and win it. Last game of the weekend, if you can call it. This one's on Monday night. Eagles on the road against the NFC South champion, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 7-15 kick on ABC. Eagles a three-point favorite. I'm going to go out and say I do not think the Eagles are fixed. I don't think they got fixed for the postseason. They are fractured. They are battered. They are bruised. And Nick Sirianni, I don't think, is a guy to lead a team that is so fractured right now. Tampa Bay, 
it reminds me of that year that Tom Brady got into the postseason. They had to go on the road. It was the year they won the Super Bowl, actually, that COVID year. But they had to go on the road to Washington and face Taylor Heineke. And Heineke nearly knocked them off. Difference is, Tampa Bay was not you know, really fractured at that point. Weird circumstance, weird teams, but... I don't know how Philly goes into this spot and this everything is fixed. Vegas, I think, has it exactly right at three points. I like Baker, though. I like Baker and Tampa Bay in a massive, massive upset. And for a team that started 10-1 and one, and to close at 1-5 and five, and have some really, really bad losses, Giants and Cardinals back-to-back weeks, I don't, I don't see this changing anytime soon. I don't see them all of a sudden being amped up and ready to go in the postseason. I like Tampa in an upset and moving on. Yeah, I'm shocked at this line, honestly. Like, what in the world says that the Eagles are going to win this game? So, going on the road against Tampa Bay, I'm all over the Bucks. I, I don't believe in Nick Sirianni. I think uh, his job is in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. But the, I think this is the, the culmination of the collapse that has been the Philadelphia Eagles all year long. So, Bucks, and you're going to give me three points? I'll take him. Yeah, what a disaster. If you go to the Super Bowl, we're minutes away from winning it. And then starting 10-1, and one, finishing 1-5, first-round exit to the NFC South champions of all team, Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We didn't have enough time to go over Saban and Belichick and Carroll. We will tomorrow, though. We'll still have plenty of time in our Friday show, so stay tuned for that. But for today, it is time to go. That wraps up another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City. Oh, woman, oh, woman, oh, treat me so mean You're the meanest old woman that I've ever seen I guess if you say so I'll have to pack my things and